0: Chapter Eight of Grace Harlowe's Fourth Year at Overton College by Jessie Gray and Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight: A Leaf from the Past. At Patience's door, she paused. It stood partly open, and peeping in, she saw that her friend was alone. Rapping softly, she announced with a laugh, "The Honorable Grace Harlowe." Enter without further ceremony was the quick reply to what do i owe my good fortune to the absence of your roommate answered grace dryly where is she at the library she left the house directly after dinner to look up a number of references she's infinitely more industrious than i the semper fidelis crowd are going down to that new motion picture theatre to see les miserables we want you to go with us invited grace looking relieved at having been able to deliver the invitation so easily let me think. Is there any reason why I can't go? I have a hazy recollection of having something else on hand tonight, but I can't remember what it is. "'Is it anything about lessons?' asked Grace. "'No,' Patience glanced perplexedly about her. "'I can't recall it. It isn't anything of importance, so I certainly would have no difficulty in remembering it. Perhaps it will come to me suddenly.' I must make the round of the house and ask the other girls. Be ready and downstairs within the next fifteen minutes. By the time Grace had collected the Semper Fidelis Girls of Wayne Hall, Arline had returned with the other members of the club and the party set out for the theatre. Grace walked with Anne and Patience, who, unable to remember any other engagement, had dismissed the disturbing thought from her mind and prepared to enjoy her evening. At the entrance of the theatre the party halted for a moment while Arline bought the tickets. Grace looked interestedly about her. Even in quiet, staid old Overton she derived an active pleasure from scanning the faces of the passer-by. She tried to read their thoughts from their expressions, and her habit of observation had on more than one occasion proved of value to her. All right, called Arline, holding up the tickets. Come on grace turned her eyes toward arline then some unaccountable influence caused her to turn her head and glance again in the direction of the street a roughly dressed man had stopped on the sidewalk directly in front of the theatre to stare at one of the gaily colored lithographs grace stopped short seized with a peculiar feeling of apprehension why was the face of this man so familiar to her surely she had seen it somewhere under decidedly unpleasant circumstances was it at overton she had seen him no it was farther back than that during the first part of hugo's famous novel which had been filmed to perfection grace was obsessed with the question where have i seen him the stranger's face haunted her it was a low-browed sullen face she could not keep her mind on the story that was being unfolded on the screen she watched the ill-fated jean Virgin, being led off to prison for stealing a loaf of bread almost without seeing him it was not until the scene where bruised in spirit and prison wart jean steals the good priest's candlesticks and makes off with them that full remembrance came to grace now she knew why that face was strangely familiar the man she had seen was none other than larry the locksmith in her mind's eye grace saw him sitting in the court room with humped shoulders His eyes bent fiercely upon her as she related what she had seen with her face pressed close to the window pane of the haunted house. It had all happened during her senior year at high school. To grace it seemed but yesterday, since she had given the testimony that sent Henry Hammond's accomplice to prison for a term of seven years in the state penitentiary. Seven years! It had been only four years since that memorable occasion. Perhaps the man had been released earlier for good behavior, or perhaps— grace's heart beat a trifle faster he had escaped she paid but scant attention to the rest of the performance and when jean had died in the arms of his devoted foster daughter the lights had appeared and the crowd began filling out of the theater she scanned it eagerly there was no sign of the disturbing face of larry the locksmith the little company of girls made their way to the street discussing the merits of the various actors who had portrayed so admirably the roles assigned to them Arline, feeling rather ashamed of her brusque refusal to countenance Kathleen West as a possible member of the club, slipped her arm through Grace's, saying contritely, I'm awfully sorry I was so cross, Grace. Grace, whose mind was still fully occupied with the thought of the man she had good reason to recognize, did not answer. Arline glanced reproachfully at her, then withdrew her arm from Grace with an offended suddenness that caused Grace to cry apologetically, Please pardon me, Arline what did you say arline however was now thoroughly incensed she had apologized and grace had not even taken the trouble to listen without answering save by an angry flash of her blue eyes she walked on rapidly overtaking the emerson twins who were heading the little procession grace sprang impulsively forward then as arline slipped between the twins laughingly taking hold of an arm of each grace fell back deciding that she would say nothing She would write Arlene a note that very night. True to her resolve, the note was written and sent. At the end of a week she had received no answer. Later she was greeted with a cold good afternoon and a stiff little bow when she chanced to encounter Arlene on the campus. Remembering Arlene's stubborn stand in regard to Ruth during their sophomore year, Grace knew the dainty little girl's resentment to be very real and lasting. She was also reasonably sure that not even Ruth was aware of their estrangement. She wished she had not seen that disturbing face. She wondered if she had been mistaken. No doubt there were men in the world who bore a strong resemblance to Larry the locksmith. She blamed herself entirely for Arlene's withdrawal of friendship, if she had only heard and accepted the apology. It was humiliating indeed to make an earnest apology to one hearing ears. It serves you right, Grace Harlowe. she reflected, coming into the living room late one afternoon. I'm not sorry for you. I hope arline won't be too haughty at the club meeting tomorrow. It is such a shame. I wanted to propose a famous fiction dance as a semper fidelis merrymaking this year, and I can never talk enthusiastically of it knowing she disapproves. Of course, I'll pretend I don't care, but it hurts just the same. With a sigh, grace reached for the evening paper which lay on the library table. She glanced over the headlines without any special interest until a single sentence in large black type caused her to stare, then give voice to a surprise. I knew it! The headline read, Larry the locksmith, still at large. Grace sat down heavily in the nearest chair, the newspaper still clutched in one hand. She had not been mistaken. The man for whom the authorities were searching was a man she had seen in front of the moving picture theatre. It was evident that he had very little fear of being recognized in Overton, or he would not have risked appearing in the street of the college town. He must have friends here who are sheltering him, sprang into her mind, or he may be passing through the town. The question is, ought I to make my discovery known to the police?" "'Here you are,' called a familiar voice. "'I have been looking for you.' Patience Elliot entered the living room and seated herself opposite Grace. Do you remember me saying that when you asked me to go to the theater I had a faint recollection of having another engagement last night? Grace nodded. My faint recollection was perfectly correct. I'd promised to go for a walk with Kathleen, and consequently she wouldn't speak to me when I came home last night. She wouldn't accept my humble apologies, just when I thought I was making little progress with her too. I'm the most unfortunate mortal, sighed Patience. I know she imagines I did it purposely. Patience's recital of her woes brought back the subject of Arline's displeasure to Grace's mind, and when, a little later, the two girls went upstairs arm in arm, the important question of whether or not to inform the Overton police of her discovery had slipped, for the time being, from Grace's mind. End of chapter 8 Recording by Ashley Jane